Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. I want you guys to like stand at attention, okay? Because we need to we need to hear, we need to set our minds in a proper place to receive something because we've been on an ordained trajectory for the last eight to ten years, let's say. God has ordained a path for us, and tonight marks a collision with such a core sense of identity that we've never seen before. I thought that was Jacob. I was like, what's going on over here? But listen, I I want you to stand at attention because I want you to hear that. Tonight, we are impacting like such an original intent. We say that all the time, and I don't want it to get watered down or diluted because we've been on this trajectory. We've been talking about it, and tonight marks an impact with something that is going to shift us into our original intent like never before. Okay, we're going to be talking about things that we couldn't, we couldn't even see it. We knew we were going to a place that God called us, and we had no idea what it looked like there. Okay, and in the last year or so, God has made it more and more clear. He's shown us, he's given us a picture, he's shown us. And as Apostle Tanya comes up and she teaches, and she laid the foundation of honor and gratitude and humility, we're going to start to focus on what is it that God wants us to honor and that thing that he wants us to honor, we're going to, uh, Apostle Tiny's going to lay some groundwork, dismantle some things, and posture us to step into this major thing that I'm telling you the Western church has misunderstood, neglected, didn't want any part of, that has kept them from full alignment in the kingdom. Okay? Amen? Apostle Tanya, go ahead and come up. I'm going to pray. After I pray, you can be seated. Yeshua, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for the trajectory that you've had us on. Father, we thank you for the the battles. We thank you for the losses. We thank you for the victories. We thank you for every single step that this body took together. Maybe not even steps, Father, but sometimes the inches that we crawled together to get to this place, Father, out of faith and obedience, laying everything else aside, Father, programs, outward appearance, Everything that we've laid aside, it's all been for your glory, Father. And so, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We pray that we have open eyes, ears to hear, and that our hearts would be cleared, a path would be cleared, Father, so that you can step in and teach us what you want to teach us. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. No pressure. It's like tonight's the night that collides with all of our identity. And I'm like, it does? Just kidding, it does. (laughs) Are you guys excited? Scared? Nervous? Anticipating? Amen. All right. Before I get into some, before I get into the meat of tonight, I want to, I want to, I want to kind of lay some more, not necessarily lay more foundation, but I want to discuss the foundation of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going, like, 
like we always do. But I saw so clearly, when was that, a week ago that I had released that? I saw so clearly where the, the rest of the structure is. You know how we had, uh, during a family meeting, one of the questions was, well, how many pillars are there? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, maybe there's 12. Well, he began to show us that there was another layer or another floor. And he began to show me the next floor and even the third floor. And so I started to see some things very clearly. And I want to I present that even though it may seem overwhelming. It could seem overwhelming because I'm giving such a big picture. But I also want us to know where we're going. Amen? And so I want you guys to remember, if we go back to when we started to really tap into uh, the rapture, Remember when I was talking about this structure and then I drew how if you tip it on its side, that it's showing the timeline that everything from here down was church era and everything from here up is going to be kingdom era and all the things that come with that when I say nano era and frequency era and I'm talking about things like that, that's what it is that we're moving into. So if you think about it on, on the scale of moving to the side, you're seeing everything from where we've come from. You're seeing a foundation of how we can build. And as we go higher in perspective or higher in frequency or higher into his realm or into his dimension, the farther forward in the timeline we go. And we all know that since we're Hebraic, the farther forward you go, the more backwards you get, which is actually the original intent of what he always planned. Amen? So remember, we're, we're, we're Hebraic thinkers, so everything is circular. It's not necessarily structural, even though we're using a structure to be able to project what it is that he's saying. I just want us to remember that this is a, a, a building up and a building forward, which is also a building back and probably building down. <laughs> Amen? Okay. So I just want to remind us because I just think that this is so powerful that this is a blueprint that Yahweh has given us because how amazing is it to be able to follow something based off of, um, I guess what I'm saying is, is we're not off on a whim of, well, what's the next five-point teaching that we're supposed to have? But we're, we're on a trajectory. We are on a path. We are, we, we, we're beginning to see some things. When he said that we're going to dismantle everything, this is what he was doing. Everything that had been built up to that point was a dismantling and a breaking down of everything that we've known. And what's been happening over the last couple of years, specifically the last year, is he has really began the process of allowing us to build and allowing us to begin to function in his ways versus the church ways. But we couldn't do his ways because we were so ingrained in the church ways that until we dismantled that, we didn't have the ability to be able to rebuild something. Because if we did, we would have just rebuilt what we knew. So we just kind of had to stop the whole process, dismantle things in our hearts. And you guys know that my favorite thing to do is to dismantle what we've known. I don't know why I must have been born for such a time as this because we're transitionaries and I just love the fact that we have the ability for such a time as this. Can we be excited about the times that we live in? That you get to be a dismantler and a builder at the same time. If you were born in the 1500s, you would have just been 
building an old era. And that's the only thing you would be afforded because you are subject to his time, not your time, right? And so now, and, and, and maybe 500 years from now, they're just going to be building the new era. And we get to be a people for such a time as this, that he chose you before the foundation of the world to say, you are the vessel I have asked during this time to be my dismantlers and to be my, my game changers and to be my builders all at the same time. And I personally just feel like that has given me so much identity identity in general because I feel like it just has brought um, definition to my heart. I, do you know when you're just like going along, you're like, I just don't fit in with anyone. Do you guys feel that way? There's just nobody that fits in. I mean, not nobody, but you know what I mean? There's just not that many that are as crazy as me or as passionate as me or seekers of truth as me. Not like I'm better than, but literally that was like the worst curse in my life for years. I'm not saying that boastful. I'm saying that that was horrible because to live in such a time where you don't just amen everything, but you're after like... And you've got the questions and you're, and you're, and you're, you're just, you're a, you're a truth seeker and you're going to eat it until, and it needs to make sense. And I want it into every part of my DNA. That's just, there's not that many crazy people like that. There are so many sheep. <laughs> because we were raised to build sheep and stay sheep. <clears throat> I believe that, that that was right for a time, but there are hidden mysteries that are becoming alive. We've never seen that before. He's the good shepherd. We are good sheep. We don't move pastures. And that was a normal thing. But now all of a sudden we're beginning, sonship? I thought we were sheep, right? It's like all of a sudden you're, these things are beginning to be highlighted. Uh, can, I, can I be as bold as to say it is a gift that he has given you the ability to say the name Yahweh. That was at one point taken away from the house. And for a long time it was Jesus. And, 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 and if I could say it very boldly that on earth, that name is recognized. But how many of us want to be stuck on earth? Because if I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, could I be as bold as to tell you that in heaven, they can't recognize Jesus? In heaven, that frequency does not understand Jesus. The language in heaven doesn't even have a J in its language. You say Jesus and you're trying to ascend to another realm, you might not be able to see in that realm because it cannot, when I'm talking about the angelic is what I'm saying, the angelic does not understand that name. It's not his name. And yet it's not wrong. It's what we've known. But he's saying we're going to ascend to a higher place, sons. I want you to understand that you're heirs. I want you to understand that you are seated at the right hand of the Father now. So if we are going to, if we're going to inherit that doctrine, if you will, or, or that belief, then there's a maturity that comes where you begin to operate differently and you begin to operate at a higher protocol. And that higher protocol is a little bit different than sheep protocol. Does that make, does that make sense? So that's a powerful gift that isn't some, hmm, where'd she get Yahweh from? Where did she get Yeshua? Why did that all of a sudden come about? I don't know. I didn't ever grow up saying Yeshua. It was in the name of Jesus. That's all I knew. If somebody five years ago would have said Yeshua, I'd have been like, you're nuts. 
just like you're all probably saying I'm nuts. But it is a gift to be given the original intent of what it has always meant. And it is an absolute honor, not something that we should resist against, but understanding the higher frequencies or the higher protocols afford us higher dimensions, higher realms, higher... Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Are you guys good? Okay. So what I, want, what I want us to be excited about is that all of this stuff is a gift. To be able to be dismantled and to be built up, it is an absolute honor and gift because it's a time and a season that he's chosen to give his gifts, to give his mysteries, to say things like sonship, to say, thing like, to say things like heir, to say things like co-heirs, to say things like Yeshua and Yahweh and Ruach, to understand that Ruach is breath, not just I'm spirit-filled. And I pray in the Holy Ghost. I have so many people that say I'm spirit-filled. What? what? There's a difference between between I have a relationship with Ruach. There There was a resistance when we stopped saying the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Then we started to transition to Jesus, God, and Holy Spirit. It's a person. What? Right? There's these, but it's a gift he's giving us. It's a gift that he's revealing the mysteries. Have we not said that it is the honor of a king to hide a thing for about 2,000 years? And it's the honor of a king to search out a matter? He, it says in the scripture, he reveals secrets. He wants to reveal these things. That means that you did not know them previously. It doesn't mean that they were never there. It just means they were not there to you. That's what a secret is. And he reveals those mysteries. It is an honor that he reveals these mysteries to us. And I'm excited to reveal more mysteries to us. But while the mysteries get revealed, what happens is, is it, 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 it collides with our maturity. Because another level of revelation or another mystery of who he is is going to collide with what I've known. And so it is a growing process of maturity to be able to understand and engage with the mysteries that he has for us. Amen? Okay. So, you guys excited for some mysteries? So, we're just going to go over the foundation. So, where we were before was rescue, right? One of the foundational floors to shifting from rescue into uh, relationship would be the, the, the floor that we saw was Hebrew versus Greek mindset. What's, what's happening is that the church era has been very Greek-minded, You get saved, you say a prayer, you come to the altar, you come under a pastor, and you begin to mature and, right? And you are taught the rules and regulations of Christianity. Not the Messiah, Christianity. And Christianity is the only religion that's the right religion, and every other religion is wrong. And so we are going to learn what discernment is, what's right. We're going to learn about all the different demonic spirits, and we're going to be able to call them out, and we're going to say who operates in them and who doesn't. And we are just going to begin to divide and separate and set ourselves apart, and we are just going to, we're going to become right and wrongers. Which is what in the garden? The tree of good and evil. 
So we decided to come into relationship, and then we decided to engage with the tree of good and evil and decided we should be the hierarchy of what's right and what's wrong. And then we decided to build a structure around it, and we put walls around it, and then said, you are never allowed to leave this structure. And if you do, you are wrong, because inside the structure we are right, and outside the structure you are wrong. That is Greek. Okay? But we are not Greeks. Okay? And we are not Greek-minded. And so there is an aspect of the mysteries that are coming forward that when I begin to talk about Hebrew, it should do something. And I don't know if it does. I'm assuming if you're sitting in this house or if you're tuning in on live, it probably does something on the inside of you. When I begin to talk about a Hebraic mindset, there has to be something that begins to beat deep within your belly. Because there has to be something that says... There's just something about that that's beautiful. There's just something about that. I've known that before. There's just something about that that's kingdom. There's just something about that, right? It, I don't, it, do, it, did, it did for me. But there's, there's something that begins to happen when we move from the wrong and right mentality, which is the tree of good and evil, rules and regulations, and we begin to build in a Hebraic mindset where now all of a sudden it's circular, Multiple perspectives, multiple dimensions, multiple, uh, it's very passionate. Hebrews are passionate. They are lovers. If, if you were to go to, if you were to, go to uh, um, Israel, they are very close physically, male nor female. They cry. They're angry. They, they, they're, uh, they're, they're passionate. They're, they're, they're just passionate. And in the Western culture, we are told you suppress that and you act right. And so we've lost an aspect of who he is. And so then what happens is when you begin to read English, you begin to forget some of the found, not forget. Well, I guess it is forget because it's always in you. You begin to forget some of the foundational things that he had in his nature that we've lost through tradition. Amen. And so what happens when we begin to say we're, we're Hebrew thinkers, let me just tell you a little mystery because we're going to get there. You are actually beginning to synergize with your original intent that you are Hebrew. Okay? I've had a lot of people say, I'm American. That's fine. You are. But your ancestry, your DNA, you are Hebrew. I love it when I say something and Shirley's like, finally. <laughs> now, anybody that should be honorable of her heritage, right? Native American, Hebrew, okay? If you go back to, to what, I, what now I'm learning how to say their names right, you know, we learned Moses, it's Moshe, uh, Abraham, it's Avraham. Our, our, our father of the faith, Hebrew, Okay, so, so, so there's something that begins to happen in this building where you're like, I'm shaking off this church era, this Christianity of rules and regulations, of being a sheep, of being told from one person what's right and what's wrong and abiding by that and, and forgetting our original intent of being a Hebrew. We're good? But I'm not going to necessarily get to that tonight, but we're going to get there. We're going to talk about the divided kingdom. I'm just going to spitball some things here, okay? We're going to talk about how we've been taught that the church is the light. It's not. It's the house of Israel. 
You are the house of Israel. There's a divided kingdom, neither Jew nor Greek. And we've come in with this like Christianity thing and we're forgetting the whole gospel. Okay, so again, we're not going to, that's not at all what I'm getting into tonight, but I want to throw some things out there because we, we have to begin to understand the full gospel and the full story of what it is that he's after. Because if we go back to Avraham, we, we talk about, um, I can't say it the great, but Jacob, your name is Yahakov. So the, the sons, they split into a divided kingdom. So you had Judah and Benjamin, and you had the rest of the, the, the ten sons over here. That's why it says Gentile and Jew. So you're going to begin to understand some things when I begin to talk about Paul. You're going to begin to understand some things when Yeshua himself said, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're going to begin to understand some things in the Gospels. You're going to be like, I didn't even understand what that meant. When he's talking to you. When it's so easy for Gentile to say the Jews missed it. And yet, if you're Gentile, you're the one that crucified him. Which one's wrong now? When you begin to understand these greater things, you begin to say, what have I been taught? I've missed a whole aspect. If you're the one that crucified him, you're going to have a different perspective about the Jews. And the Jews are going to, if you were Jewish, you're going to have a different perspective about the Gentile because you're the one that missed it. That's why the house is divided. But there's coming a day where one new man joined together. The light Again, I'm just spitballing some things here. Your purpose in life is to make the Jews jealous because of the light that you have in you. And yet we've been sideswiped because we're like, Christianity is the way. And this, the, that church down the street is going to be the church that has revival meetings every night. We're missing something. We're still a house divided. If not, we have become a generation after a generation after a generation that still says my house versus your house. The way I think is the right way, the way you think is the wrong way, and yet that's still what we are under, but we're not supposed to be a part of that. We're supposed to step out of that system and bring a light to bring them together. So some of the mysteries that are coming out are going to begin to light a fire because it's going to begin to give you purpose as to why you answered the altar call in the first place. It's going to give you purpose to not just say, well, I guess I'm saved and one day I'll go to heaven and I guess this is a cool life. There is a purpose for why you are here and we need to begin to understand our purpose. Amen? Okay. So this floor, it's a kind of a big floor. Because it is going to be the foundation for you to understand everything I just said. If you're operating in a Greek mindset, everything I just said is like, well, no, no, no. That ain't going to happen, right? So, so, so this is very foundational, okay? Then we went into, you guys all know this, the pillars, which are the, 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 the foundation that we're going to build from, which is blood versus blood, ministry of reconciliation, walking in him and knowing. Okay, all that was was just some strong foundational pillars in your life that would be able to withstand what's coming. You will not be able to withstand what's coming if you don't understand where you came from with blood versus blood. 
You are not going to be able to withstand what's coming if you don't understand the ministry of reconciliation. I know when we went over that, a lot of us took that personal and thought, I have to forgive my neighbor. Yes, but can we start thinking international, intergalactical? Okay? How about walking in him? Walking a different way. These are some foundational things. Knowing him, getting very close to his heart. Because when you do, it takes you higher and higher and higher and higher and higher in perspective. Okay? So this is the foundation. Then he began to show us that as we remember the worship service that we had, where we knocked at the door and the door was open to us to be able to ascend into a deeper place. And uh, he immediately said, you will not get into that second area if you do not have a foundation of honor. You guys remember that? We talked about honor. We talked about gratitude and humility. Remember when we had that uh, p- powerful time where, I, where we were talking about being able to even honor and going all the way? And not halfway? Yeah, Zeke. All right. We're good so far. Okay. I am just going to write what is coming. So in my time with him, I saw the next floor has three pillars. There may be more, but as of right now, there's three. And I thought that this was so powerful because all we were talking about was we're not going to be able to get through this if we don't understand honor. That's the little mindset that I had. He immediately said, what this next floor is, is it's going to be in this family, what do you honor? Not just about you're going to have a heart to honor and you're going to learn to honor, but you're going to begin to learn what are you going to honor in this house. Let me, let me say it this way. If we went through a season where we dismantled, he's giving us permission as a family, what are you going to mantle now? So now we're not just in a season, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw this out there and I'm going to keep throwing it out there. So when I say that we don't celebrate Halloween, you guys okay? When I say that, we were in a season of, but why mom? And it would just be like, I would, we would, we would try to just explain a few things and then it came to Christmas time and then it was really like, and we would explain a couple things and then Easter happened and oh, I don't know what happened when I took the bunny away but it was not pretty <laughs> serious guys I, it's extremely hard because not only am I dealing with individual people I'm dealing with Christianity Because Christianity says, Easter Bunny, that's how we're going to get people into our structure. Let's have a big festival and a big fluffy bunny and have a bunch of ears. And they're all going to come rushing in the door. So that what? Then eventually Yahweh can tell them it's wrong? I'm sure we're... (laughs) Never mind. Okay. Are you guys okay? Okay. But we went through years of, but then what do we do? I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I just know that what I've learned about Easter is not right. And this is how simple-minded I am. It's not even about pagan, not pagan. I didn't even get into that till later. All I did, this is how young I am. Because you guys remember, when when I first woke up, I woke up and I didn't understand the word. I had been a Christian. I did the altar call. I was in leadership. I was a marriage counselor, and I did not know the word. 
And I started to read the Gospels. And all of a sudden, it became so real to me that I wanted every word that came out of that Bible. I could not even read the New Testament because to me, it seemed like Greek. It was do, don't, don't talk, sit down, ask your husband, rules. It was, I didn't understand it. So I'm like, all right, Yeshua, not at the time. Jesus, I want your red writing. I just need your red writing. I need to know who your character is because if I do not have a foundation of your nature and your character, every part of this scripture does not make sense. He is a God of wrath in the Old Testament and he is super hypocritical and uh, schizophrenic in the New Testament. So Jesus, who are you? Because I don't understand this. So all I did was I would begin to study and I could not find Easter. That's as simple as it was. I could not find Easter. I went into the concordance. I was looking it up. I could not find it. And it was that simple. What's going on? Because I thought that I didn't even know it was called Resurrection Sunday. It was Easter Sunday. Why is it Easter Sunday on his greatest day? And I can't find it in here. Then that opened up a whole can of worms because then I was finding out about 49 days and then I found out about Pentecost and I thought, oh my God, this is real and he really did rise and there really was 49 days and all of a sudden something began to happen in me and it was the first time I preached. It was amazing. Grace Fellowship, Full Gospel Church, they gave me the mic and I don't know what was happening to me. I don't even know what I preached. All I said was is we're going to have a birthday cake because I think that's what Pentecost means and I... That didn't go very well, and we ate in the sanctuary, and I was so excited because it was our birthday, and that's when we were birthed, and it just all of a sudden became real. But it wasn't Easter. It was Pentecost. But Pentecost happened after Passover. Wait a minute. Passover? The blood that washes me over my doorpost. I am a gate. This is starting to make sense. I'm a gate. He's the blood over my doorpost. He is going to wash over me. And now all of a sudden, my firstborn son shall be saved. Okay, now you've got my attention. I had had babies. That meant something to me. Wait a minute. They were doing Passover way before Jesus came. What's going on? Oh. And then it just started to, it just began to, to, to come alive. So I'm saying that because this isn't some crazy study about Easter. This is just, it's not in there. So now I was like, Christians fight at Christmas because people say happy holidays. And we fight on a hill and say, you better say Merry Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> Don't you dare say happy holidays. It's Christmas. It's not in the scripture. Why are we fighting that battle? Why are we making people say Christmas? We are fighting the wrong battles. Christmas is not in the Bible. You guys okay? Okay, my point in saying all of this is that this should be exciting. Because for years, you've heard me talk this way, and you've been like, no, don't do it. It's the best day of my life. Trust me, I know. It was the best day of my life. Christmas. Christmas morning was the best day of my life. I would go to bed and I'd look out at the Christmas lights and I would just wait for Santa. I've told you guys this story. Santa was taken away from me when I turned 18 and I cried. My first gift was given to me. It said, love mom and dad. And it did not say love Santa. And it was, it was horrible. Are you guys okay? Are we okay? Okay. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not coming at you guys like I didn't suffer. 
I'm not speaking something because I've got this crazy agenda. When you got tore down, I got tore down. Easter was one of my favorite holidays. My parents made it so special. They would hide it and leave us notes and we'd have a scavenger and I could find my basket. He, when he took that away, that was a hard thing. So what my point in saying all of this is as a family, he took a lot of things away during the dismantling process and we've all been like, why? This is gonna be the beginning of this family saying, what do you get to do? What, uh, what are you going to honor? He didn't just take Easter away to leave you with that. He took it away so he could teach you the truth of what is supposed to be there. He's going to take away some things because he wants to teach you what it is that we are to celebrate. And I believe as a family, he is beginning the process of saying, now as a mother and father in this house, you are allowed to begin to implement some tradition. In his original intent, you are allowed to begin to celebrate the things. But I needed a season to really make sure you were able to lay those things down. Because at a higher ascension, at a higher frequency, there is a protocol. And there are some things that the angelic do not recognize. So there are things that, he's, that they're going to begin to recognize. Amen? You guys, we want the angels to recognize us. Yes? He's scouring the earth for ones. Let him be the one that sees us saying, send me. Not, well, I mean, revelations. I've told you guys this before. I will spit out those that are lukewarm. We, we say in the church, have discernment. You're going to be deceived. And yet the ones that are saying you're deceived are like, we're a... We're, mi we're missing it. Are you guys okay? Okay. So this is going to be exciting. So he is going to begin to show us as a family the second floor. And what he said was is that he wants to begin to define what we are going to honor. So this floor is the second floor. You guys see that? So this would be blood versus blood. This would be yada. Walking. Ministry of R. Okay? You guys good? So it wasn't so much you're going to have a foundation of honor, but he wanted us as a family to start to define what are we going to honor in this family. You guys good? Okay. So the first pillar. Are the feasts. This is going to be super exciting. I know it might not be right now because we don't necessarily understand them. Why? Because we've been deceived for 2,000 years. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to get at some of it. Well, I'm not going to get to the feast tonight, but I am going to get to some foundational things about the law. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get at some things. I can't wait. You guys ready? So the feast, the other thing that I saw was kind of what I was talking about, Jew 
Gentile heritage. We're going to get into who are we. We're going to get into our heritage. We're going to get into the divided kingdom. We're going to get into our ancestors. We're going to get into who are we. If we're not the church, then who are we? I mean, we've been saying for a long time, we're not a church. We're the ecclesia. Who was the ecclesia? Who were the disciples? Were they Jew or Gentile? I kind of already gave you guys the answer. Who, uh, who was Abraham? Jew or Gentile? I gave you that answer. Let me, let me say, let me just get you guys excited. Hebrew is the overarching thing. Then the house begins to divide. So the more original intent you get, the higher you go in the, in the, in the history. Meaning, let me say it this way. All Jews are Hebrew. Not all Hebrews are Jews. Okay? Not all Gentiles. Let me say, all, oh my gosh. I don't know how to say that. They are all Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Gentiles. There we go. All Gentiles are Hebrews. Not all Hebrews are Gentiles. Do you see the common ground of how we're going to come together? Okay. But we're going to get into that. I know that that's a lot. We're going we're gonna to get into that. I think for the feast, we may be in the feast until the end of this uh, calendar year. Okay? So it's, we're going to take some time here. Just breathe. It's going to be a lot. We're learning as a house after everything we've dismantled what we're supposed to be honoring. So we're going we're gonna to spend some time here. Is that okay? This third pillar that I saw. I'm so excited about this one. Language. The Hebrew language. Can I say something really cool? Psalms 119. Can you guys look at Psalms 119? I don't know what your version's going to say, but just go there. You guys at least know Psalms 119, right? Psalms 119. Does anybody have the title to Psalms 119 in your version? I want to know what it says. Meditations on the excellencies of the word of God. Here's what that means. You're going to learn the Torah letter by letter. The entire Hebrew language is in Psalms 119. If you were to say a Hebrew letter, I could go to Resh is a Hebrew letter, for example, and I could go to the letter Resh, and it is going to give me a set of scriptures under Resh. It is a beautiful living language. It is the language that was spoken in Genesis 1 when Yeshua says that he is the word that became flesh. It wasn't necessary. I mean, it is, but it wasn't this. It was the living breath of Ruach that all of the letters are contained in became flesh. We're going to get into that more, that there's a whole lot more that he became when we just say the word became flesh. So we're going to get into language. That's what I saw for here. He also showed me the third floor, and I'm just going to write it down because I think that it's just a good, we're going to be here for a while, but I want you guys to understand why we need to honor these things. 
The third floor is going to be engage. And what I saw was that we will not have the freedom or the ability or the understanding to engage what's coming to us as a gift, not what's coming like it's not here. But what's coming as a gift to us, we will not be able to encounter or engage or understand it if we do not honor the protocols of heaven. Do you guys remember a while ago when I said we need to be careful because it's going to probably sound, uh, um, I'm trying to think of how I said that. I'm saying things like protocol, right? It could sound like rules and regulations again, but there is a protocol in heaven. There is a frequency in heaven that is uh, understood that the demonic cannot. It was a gift when he totally gave us as a family the revelation of the uncreated realm. Yes? That absolutely changed my heart. It, everything just began to click and make sense. If you want a gift like the uncreated realm, in the uncreated realm, there is no devil. There is no demonic. It's not there. It cannot, it does not, it does not have the... A devil does not have the proper protocols to enter into the uncreated realm. So he's beginning to give us some mysteries and some protocols of where we're going to operate that's going to teach us how to actually be seated at the right hand of the Father and change the world from a different position. Not just talk about it, preach about it, but actually walk it out. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is to engage some things. But we won't be able to engage those things if we don't honor what we're supposed to honor. Let me get you excited about engaging. I know this is going to just, are you guys okay if I just kind of spitball some things? There are seven spirits. Okay? Isaiah 11. Many of us may have been taught that that was seven attributes of God. It's not. Here's the thing. It was a mystery to us before, but he's beginning to unlock some things. The seven lampstands, the seven spirits. He's beginning to show us the different beings and the different things that we can engage in. It says in Galatians that you, in your immaturity, have been given governors and tutors to teach you how to enter in. Who are the governors and tutors? Those are some of them. Until you reach a level of maturity, how are we going to engage these things if we don't understand how to honor these things? Like the language. If you don't understand the language, and that's the language of the uncreated realm, I'm not saying I fully understand it. I'm not trying to say like we're going to, I'm, well, I don't, I don't want to say that. Because then we will. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's a protocol in heaven where the demonic is not able to be there, and we say we sit there, you're not going to be able to operate on earth's frequency, and you're definitely not going to be able to speak English and say, well, I'm American. I'm not saying that you're not, but come on. I want to operate in a realm where there's no demonic around me, but I'm not going to be able to do it if I don't honor a language that they all talk. His breath is the Hebrew language. It's alive. It's living. I'm going to get weird. So when resh begins to come out of my mouth, and there's a frequency that begins to vibrate, and all of a sudden you get introduced to resh the being, 
I'm not saying that you're supposed to understand anything that I'm saying. What I'm trying to get us to is to be excited about what we're going to engage. There's the cloud of witnesses. Have you ever been taught that in the church world? There are men in white linen that are yearning for you to get this because their destiny depends on you. Um, I, we're free. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. <laughs> what once was deemed demonic in the church age is going to be deemed honorable in this era. Okay? So, because, and here's why. If you're operating in a realm that's uncreated, meaning it wasn't created, so it's fully him. Okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I don't want to uh, not get you guys excited. So when I talk about the cloud of witnesses, and the, um, and all of a sudden you're encountering someone from the 1800s, okay? In the church world, you've just encountered a devil and you need deliverance, okay? But here's the thing. There's no devils in the uncreated realm. So there's an aspect to certain frequencies and certain things that we're going to begin to engage in the uncreated realm that we're going to have access to that we didn't understand in the church realm that we just automatically deemed as negative. Um, yes. So, and, 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 and again, we're Hebrews, right? So it's a great conversation. Tyler is sitting on our deck, and I'm having this crazy conversation with him, and we just begin to talk, and he always asks really good questions. And then he was like, so wait a minute. You're, we're, you, you're not allowed to talk to dead people. But then, I, that's a valid, yeah. So then what came out of my mouth is, but what if they're not dead, or what if I am? I don't know where that came out of my mouth. But if I believe that I've died with him and I've risen with him, or does it, there's some, there's some, there's some shifts in our, in our, are you guys okay? Okay. So I'm just saying, there are going to be some things that we're going to engage that are mysteries, that were mysteries to us before that he's going to unlock, like the seven spirits. It's right there in Isaiah 11. I don't know how many times I've read that. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. So every time I have declared over my spiritual son that wisdom follows you wherever you go, there is a being that literally resides around him wherever he goes. There's a different frequency that begins to, it's not just I have wisdom and knowledge, it's you have a governor and a tutor that is teaching you the ways of the protocol of an uncreated realm that you need to learn to live in. Okay, so there's going to be some things that we're going to engage, but I don't think we're going to be able to engage them unless we understand how to honor what it is that he wants us to honor. Amen? Okay, so that is where we're going. Are you guys good? Okay, let me take a break. And then we're going to get into what I want to dismantle today.
we're going to go over the law. Because we are not under the law. We are under grace. Or are we? <laughs> and I feel like I have to do this. Because if I get into this, it's exciting when I say we're not going to do Christmas, but we can do Hanukkah. Maybe that's not exciting. But I think that's exciting because then I, you know, I'm understanding the season and the times, right? But all of a sudden, if we get into the details of the feasts and I don't dismantle this, you're going to say Jesus did away with that. I thought Yeshua did away with that. I, I thought Jesus said we don't need to worry about that. I'm pretty sure Jesus, he just came and said, live by grace and do whatever you want. So we probably don't need to deal with a language. Jesus came and rose. And so therefore, the whole Old Testament is null and void. So why would we honor the feasts? So I feel like I have to dismantle some things or else I won't be able to teach you the feast because it'll be hard ground. So I'm going to break up the ground. Copy, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> okay. And I don't even know how I want to start this. Let's actually do a review. Let's go to Matthew because we've talked about this. Remember when he said, uh, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of what? Iniquity, another version, lawlessness. All right, so let's go to Matthew. Um, seven. Excuse me. I don't know why this is taking me so long to get to Matthew 7. Okay. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. This is a review. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay. Another version, let's read Luke. And we've already gone over these, but this is just kind of review. Uh, I'm going to be in Luke 13, 24 through 27. Then Yeshua said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over that maybe. Actually, we are going to go over that because this is going to be narrow. Especially when, okay, never mind. All right. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Once the master of the household gets up and shuts the door and you're standing outside and begin knocking on the door saying, Master, open up for us. Then he will say to you, I don't know where you came from. Then you will start to say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you came from. I have been eating and drinking with you in your company. I've been in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I answered every altar call. I came every Sunday. I listened to the pastor. I don't know where you came from. Get away from me, all of you evildoers. What? Workers of lawlessness are evildoers? Okay. Get scared now. Mm. 
I want to go over that word. I'm going to go over Matthew first. Lawlessness, the word, I'm probably going to say this wrong, is onomia. Onomia? <laughs> anomia or anomia, I don't know, but that's the word. It just means the condition of without law. Okay? Ignorance. <laughs> Violating. It's iniquity. It's wickedness. I, I personally find freedom in self-reflection. I know for most of us that might be like, what? But if I'm aware of something... And if I could put my finger on something, then he gives me a trajectory of how to walk out of that. If he's saying, depart from me, you ignorant one. That's why I'm like, Easter, where are you? I just don't want to be ignorant. I'm not trying to prove anything. Trust me, I did not want to prove it. I like my bunny. I liked it. Right? I don't, but I don't want to be violating. I don't want to be without the law. Hold on a second. I was taught that he did away with the law. But now he's going to say, I didn't know you. You didn't operate in my law. What? I'm really confused now. Once again, the Bible is hypocritical and schizophrenic. Okay? All right. Luke. Uh, sorry. Uh, in, okay, never mind. Yes. That other, the other part of that word is injustice. Unrighteous. Unrighteousness of heart and life. Being without the law is being unrighteous in your heart and in your life. It's violating. Okay. We're going to go into Luke a little bit. That word is adikia, evildoers. Again, same thing. Basically, it means violating the law. All I'm wanting to do here is to get you guys to question, then what law am I supposed to be abiding by? Because I thought, I, thought, I thought he did away with, I thought, I mean, how many of us have said, uh, you're not under the law, you're under grace now. He did away with those things. Am, am I the only one? Or yes. Because I believe that the church at large knows everything about Christmas. We've got plays that go on. It's about the birth of Jesus. We've got the Easter bunny. We've got all of these things. And yet, were you taught the Passover Seder? Were you taught about uh, Hanukkah and what that means to keep your light going in the temple? These are powerful, symbolic feasts and things that we get to align ourselves with that are going to bring us back to the original intent, and yet we've been deceived following whatever, earth. I don't even want to get into pagan or whatever. It doesn't matter. Earth. I just want a higher thing. That's it. I, 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 because some people will say, well, then are you trying to say I don't have faith and I'm a pagan? I don't care. I just want the higher things. Is that okay, right? Is that fine? I'm not after what, you know. Okay, so I do want to get into Luke. It says the narrow door or it, or it says straight gate. Gabi did an amazing teaching about the straight gate or the, the narrow passage. That actual word for narrow door there, it does not mean the shortest route. It does not mean straight. The word is S-T-R-A-I-T. Even in English, it does not say straight. It means dire straits, under pressure. <laughs> Linda, dang it. 
It's a situation that is troublesome or difficult. It's narrow, under pressure. It takes endurance and determination. The root of that word is stand. Enter through the, huh? Stand. The actual root of, of that, of straight in that word is stand. My point in saying all of this is this is not going to be easy. Honestly, it's easy to put on a program. It's easier. It's easy to bring in the masses. It, I, I can administrate a program like nobody's business. And it looks awesome. And there's mass amounts of people. This is the narrow gate. It is not the shortest path. It is the under pressure path. Okay? You guys still okay? All right, another question. Since, since we're good Christians, what is sin? What is sin? Separation, unbelief. What'd you say? Badness. I have no idea why it was taking me forever. I want us to turn to 1 John 3, 4. Now, badness, separation, unbelief. Absolutely. Are symptoms of sin. That makes sense? I want to get to the root and the definition of what sin is. Because if we as a people don't even know what sin is, well, then who is Yeshua to me? Okay, 1 John 3, 4. Everyone practicing sin also practices lawlessness. Indeed, sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Without the law. is another way to break down lawlessness. Some people think lawlessness means I'm just free and I do whatever I want. Which is true, yes. But lawlessness means without law. Hold on a second. Now I'm really confused. Sin is without the law, but I was taught by Paul I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I thought grace meant free. But is that, okay, 1 John 3, 4, basically transgression, well, I don't know if I want to go there. Transgression of law. Okay. I'm just going to say this word, and then we're going to break it down. Okay? <clears throat> the Torah was given so that we may know sin. The reason the Torah was given was so that we would know what sin is. That's why sin is without the law. We okay? I think I'm just gonna drop, I'm just gonna drop that there. We're gonna, we're gonna get into more of that. The Torah was given so that we may know what sin is. That's why sin is without the law. It means transgression against Torah. It means without the Torah. 
My point in saying that for right now is that the Torah was giving, given for us to know what sin was so we would know what to follow. Okay? Are we all right? It gets good. It's so that we know what to follow. I want that to settle in your spirit before I go on to the next thing. It's so that we may know what to follow. It's so that we may know what to follow. It's so that we may know what to follow. Because sin is if you don't follow it. Because sin is if you don't follow it. And sin, like Dan said, unbelief. Uh, Thomas said badness, uh, separation, Ellen. Those are the things that come from not knowing what to follow. Okay, we okay? All right. I wanna show you guys something because I want you guys to understand how powerful Yeshua is, okay? Let's go to John 1.4. Oh, we are doing great on time. Are you guys doing okay? So go to John 1.4. Probably my... Probably one of my favorite books is John 1. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Am I saying that right? I'm sorry, 114. That was a good scripture. 114. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and the one from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeshua was the word that became flesh. Okay? What I want us to understand is what is the word? Okay? Let this settle into our spirits when I said the Torah is so that you may know what to follow. When Yeshua became flesh, I'm going to point out to you what he became. Let's go to John 14, 6. This is a famous scripture. Do you guys know it off the top of your head? Yeshua said to him, I am the what? The what? And the? He is the what? The what? And the what? What is he? He is the? And? And? Okay, some of us think Yeshua showed up on the scene and just became this really smart guy and thought, that sounds really good. I'm the truth and the way and the life. Very, very poetic. He must have been a poetic man and said, you should follow the way because I am the way. And he just was, an, he, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was anointed. I'm sure some amazing things came out of his mouth. But what did he study? He was quoting what they knew. He didn't just all of a sudden say, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. So now you should worship in spirit and in truth and oh, whimsical. There's, he meant something when he said, I am the way, I am the truth and I'm the life. So we're going to go for it, all right? Somebody turn to Psalms 119.1. Tell me when you get there. Can you read it? And I'll repeat after you so you're on the mic. 
those whose way is blameless who walk in the way of the Lord. That is an Old Testament scripture when he said, I am the way, they knew that scripture. You will be blameless if you walk in the way of the Lord and Yeshua shows up on the scene. The word became flesh. So now you're gonna follow me because now I am the way. Because the ways of the Lord. Let me read my version because English uh, doesn't say the full thing. Blessed are those who way is blameless who walk in the Torah of Adonai. Are you guys catching where I'm going? Those were blameless who walked after the Torah and followed the Torah, right? Because if you are without the Torah, you are a sinner. So then Yeshua shows up in the scene and says, I am the Torah. <laughs> I am the way. All right. Well, he's the truth. Let's find where that is. Psalms 119, 142. Somebody find it. Tell me when you got it. One forty-two. Psalms, yes, Psalms one nineteen, one forty-two. Oh, what did you just say? Say it again. She says. My version, your justice is righteousness forever and your Torah is truth. Yeshua knew because he studied at the age of seven. He was disobeying his parents, finding himself in the house of the Lord, reading scripture, reading the scrolls at the time. And the Torah is the truth. So when he shows up and says, I am the way and I am the truth. He's saying, I am the Torah and I am the Torah. Okay, let's find life. Somebody go to Deuteronomy 32. When you get it, let me know. Deuteronomy 32, I'm going to be in verses 46 through 47. Read it. said to them, put in your hearts all the words I call as witness against you today that you may command your children to keep and do all the words of this Torah. For it is not an empty thing for you because it is your life. By this word you will prolong your days in the promised land. So he was quoting scripture that he knew when he said, I am, I am the Torah and the Torah and the Torah. So now does it make sense when it says that the Torah was given for us to know what sin is because it is to show you what to follow and now we know to follow him. The problem is, as we've been told in Christianity, follow Jesus right into Christmas. He didn't go there. What are we following? 
Okay. Are you guys okay? Is it not more powerful when we begin to understand that the word became flesh? What is the word? The Torah literally means loving instructions from a father. Are we what? Sheep? Sons. Don't sons want loving instructions from a father? But yet we've been told you are not under the law. What has produced lawlessness when a bunch of sons are taught to be sheep to say you are not under the loving instructions of a father any longer? You are all on your own. A bunch of orphans. And then we stamp it with Easter. He just said fatherlessness produces lawlessness, which is why we're not after the Band-Aid, because we believe that if you reintroduce the original intent that loving instructions from a father will actually raise sons into their kingship, and when they rule and they reign under the instruction of a father, we will understand how to, under, we will understand how to operate in the uncreated realm, but instead we've been lied to because we've not been honoring the things he said to honor. So while we've been told you are not under the law, you've been told you're not really under Jesus. Because he is the, he is the law. I'm going to go into more. He is the one. So while we're told you, he came to free you from all that. It's actually such deception that you've been freed from the very thing that's saying that you're being lawless by following it, and yet that is lawlessness. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, I really want to get into this. Are you guys still good? All right, so we're going to get into some funky scriptures because then all of a sudden, all right, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and we realize that the Torah is the way and the truth and the life. Yes? We are recognizing he became the word, which means the word was the Torah, which was loving instructions from a father who became flesh so that we may know who to follow. Okay? We're, we're good with that. But then Paul comes on the scene. And then he really introduces schizophrenia. And we're going to read a bunch of scriptures because I want to point out the hypocrisy. I mean, I'm not, it's not really. I'm going to get down to it. But this is how young I am in the word. Because I will, I will, why would Paul in one breath say, you are not under that law? And five sentences later say it is holy. That don't make any sense. Why would Paul in one moment say, you don't need to live by it. You're freed from it. But then in Acts, he says, I walk by every word. This doesn't make any sense. So we're going to dig into it. Okay? All right. We are going to start. Uh, what do I want to do? We'll just start in Romans. You guys go to Romans? 
you guys know what I'm talking about when I talk about how Paul basically says he like criticizes the law in one breath and then the next breath he's honoring it. So let's figure this out. Because I will get a million emails that will quote all of the scriptures from Paul that says you are freed from everything you just said. We're going to read Romans. I'm going to be in Romans 7. Weird! The title of Romans 7 is Two Laws at War. Have we read the titles of our paragraphs? <laughs> Anyways, all right. 7.12. I'm just going to read these out loud. So I'm in Romans 7.12. All right. I'm going to just preface. This is Paul speaking against the law. I'm just going to say that. So then the law, wait, never mind. He's speaking for it. I circled it wrong. This is a four scripture. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to do? 1.4, not four. That's what we're going to do right now. This is 1.4 the law, okay? All the same author wrote all of Romans, okay? Okay. Romans 7, 12. This is 1.4 the law. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. One point for the law. All right, here's another point for the law. Let's jump down to number 22. For I delight in the law of God with respect to the inner man. One point for the law. All right, let's go to uh, Romans six fourteen. One point not for the law. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Hold on a second. I thought it was holy and righteous and good. So in chapter 6, you tell me, I'm not under the law. So I read it in English, and I'm like, yes, no more law. Apostle Tanya is nuts. I'm not going to honor the feasts. That's in the Old Testament, and that's under the law, and I'm not doing it. But then we jump over to verse 7, and you're like, wait a minute. Maybe I should follow Apostle Tanya. It's holy. And it's righteous, and it's true. Okay, let's go to Galatians. Galatians is just a couple chapters past Romans. Galatians 3. There's a whole lot of points against. So one point against. Galatians 3, 2. I don't know if I want to read all these. You guys can read Galatians. Let's just say in Galatians, there's a whole lot of points against. He basically is saying, are you guys crazy? Did you guys follow the deeds of the law? Or did you do it by trust and faith? Then he says it again. Are you guys crazy? Why are you following the deeds of the, of the law and not doing it by trust and faith? Then you skip down all of a sudden to verse 10. And then it says, cursed is everyone who does not keep the law. Okay. So we're going to break this down. Oh, wait, and then let's do one more. Uh, let's go to Acts 21. Okay, so in Galatians, let's just say a whole lot of points against the law. Galatians 2, okay? Or Galatians 3. That make sense? We're going to go to Acts 21, 24. I'll read it really quick. Once again, Paul. Take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may, all right, moving on. They will, they, that way, all will realize there is nothing to the things they have been told about you, but that you yourself walk in an orderly manner keeping the law. 
He was basically telling that he was, he was arguing with these people because they were basically saying, but you're coming back into Jerusalem and you've been telling everybody to stop doing what the Jewish people are doing. You're going to waltz up into their house and tell them that they're not supposed to be circumcised? Right? And Paul goes, just keep walking the way you have been and they will see that you are walking orderly and by the law. One point for the law. So Paul walks in an orderly fashion and follows the law. And then a couple chapters later, he's like, you're not under the law. Okay. You guys good? Or are you guys thoroughly confused? Okay, here's why. Because in the English version, every single time you hear or you see the word law, the word is nomos. So we transcribe it in English, again, remember seven times translation from the original, seven times translation, has turned into the Greek word nomos, and every time you read law, it means law. Nomos. There's two different laws. If you don't understand the Greek and you don't understand the Hebrew, you don't understand that in one point he's talking about a different type of law and then the other one is the Torah. So you are not under the law is true and you are absolutely under the Torah is true. But because in English we read both law, we're confused. They're both nomos in Greek, but there's a little, little Hebrew word, Greek word. It's actually Strong's 3588, which is a specific word. I think it's spelled H-O. Is that right? Is that what we saw? O-H. It's this little symbol. It, it means the. It means a little bit more. That is in front of law that then translate that to Torah. But in English, we just do away with that whole Strong's number, and we just say it's all law. So when he's one point for the law, in this version that I have, so in Romans, every, every time I said point for the law, the word's Torah. When it says you're not under the law, it says you're not under the law. The word is actually law. But the one that says um, it's holy, the word is Torah. But in English, they're both law. But it's not. Now you guys can understand why I love Paul. Because I don't know how many times we've been taught. You guys know my testimony even about females. And people say, but Paul said. Okay, when you understand the character of Yeshua, and then you line it up with Paul, and if something doesn't sit right, dig a little bit more. It's not what Paul said. Paul did not say that thing. English did. Paul did not. Paul was the biggest advocate for women, and yet English has demolished his name and said that he's against you, and he's not, because he followed after Yeshua. Yeshua followed the feasts. In every scripture, you'll see he was walking in the midst of the tabernacles. What's the tabernacles? I don't know. We're never taught that. <sighs> Paul was saying that it is holy to live by the Torah. Okay. And you are not under the law. And we're going we're, we're gonna to get into that. I'm going to show you what is the law and what is the Torah so that it will make sense. There is actually a thing. It's called the Talmud. 
Paul was saying that you are no longer under the Talmud, but you are absolutely to walk holy under the Torah, and Yeshua is the Torah. He is the word that became flesh. Not to mention some things I'm going to get into with the feast. How do you function that the feasts were celebrated before the law was even given? How can we be pickers and choosers and say, I believe in Genesis 1, but I'm not going to believe in Passover because the law is going to get in the way? Exodus 12, Passover happens. Law doesn't come till Exodus 20. If the feasts were celebrated before the law, why would we say we believe in Genesis 1, but I'm not going to talk about the feasts because I thought Paul said we're done away with that. Well, then, so what, we did away with Adam? Okay. Are you guys okay? <laughs> All right. Let me read one. All right, let's go there. Matthew, because I'm going to combine the two. Or I hope I am. I mean, I am. I don't know if it's translating. All right, Matthew 5. Famous scripture again, Matthew 5, 17 through 19. Love this. This is the red writing. Do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. What that means is, we quote that scripture. What that means is, I have come to bring meaning to the loving instructions of a father. I have come to fill it up. I have come to bring meaning to the law. I did not do away with it, but I came to fill it up and bring meaning. And yet, we say, we don't need to do anything with the Old Testament. You just did away with Jesus. Yeshua. Yeah. Does that make sense? All right, I'm going to keep going. Amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things come to pass. Have earth and heaven passed away yet? Have all things come to pass? So then he has not done away with the Torah. So there are things we are not under, but we are absolutely to walk holy because he is the one that fulfills the Torah. And within the Torah, where we're going, within the Torah, it does say to honor the feasts. Not to mention, let's not even go there yet, not to mention the feasts were honored before the law was even given. Like I said, we are pickers and choosers. We believe in Genesis 1, but we don't believe in Exodus 12. We just decide, and then we slap law on it. I'm freed from all that. I live by grace. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. Obviously, Adam is real and true, but we follow the second Adam. There's a fulfilling here. It's a glory. I'm not, I am not, I am not saying we're going to be Torah followers because the deeds of the Torah is what saves us. No, 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 no. The Torah points to the Messiah. The Messiah is the Torah. The Messiah is the one that saves us. 
But what we're doing is, is we're not honoring his culture. We're not honoring what he became because we are not honoring where he came from and who he is. We're just saying the word became flesh and so therefore I live by grace and all of that old stuff has been done away with. But heaven and earth have not passed away, and not all things have come to pass, which means there is a people and a remnant that's beginning to wake up to honor the things that he said to honor, that he honored, that we have done away with through tradition. And we have become deceived, and so now we are not honoring what he said to honor so that, because he was not the end, meaning his first coming was not the end. There's still more to come. He is looking for a spotless one. Okay, if in the Old Testament they played a part in celebrating Passover and that called in Yeshua to be the final Passover, and there are feasts I'm going to teach you about that have not yet been fulfilled, then that means we get to be the house of Israel that gets to honor the feast in prophecy to call forth tabernacles that says, come down! We're not just wandering around with no purpose. The Israelites, they did it in honor because they knew that Yeshua was coming. Or I should say, most of them missed it, but they were prophesying him in. Now, if I tell you that half the feasts have been fulfilled on earth, you guys, this is exciting. Half the feasts have been already fulfilled on earth. There is another half of the feasts that have not been fulfilled that you and I get to be a part of to pull it in. If we are to be a reflection of the uncreated realm, do you not think that in the uncreated realm it has all been done? We get to honor what the uncreated realm says down here so that we can be mirrored reflections. And yet we're not being reflectors because we have no idea what the uncreated realm says. Because we think that we're gonna, they're going to understand Christmas. Okay? All right. Do I have time to teach a little bit more? I want to just give you, oh, let me just read something that will give you guys some hope. This is hope, right? Okay. I think it's hope. I love being tore down because it means he wants to build something. Let's go to Hebrews 1. I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'll quote it. But go to Hebrews 1. The Torah, your Bible's going to say the law. The Torah is a shadow of the good things to come. And yet we've said, I don't know anything in the Torah, and I don't want to study the Torah. And I said, and, and Paul says, we've done away with that. But yet Hebrew says that the Torah is a shadow of the good things to come. If we don't know the shadow, we don't know what's coming. Okay? Okay. I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna quote this because I just this is just good. Jeremiah, JJ. 31. Every time I read this book, I'm like, Jeremiah, Joshua. 31. I'm just going to start in verse 30 because it's just so amazing. I'm in Jeremiah 31, and I'm starting in uh, verse 30. The new covenant foretold. Good chapter. Behold, days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I kind of I gave a little clue. Who's the house? And with the house of Judah. Who's the house of Judah? The Jews. 
There is a day coming where there is a covenant that is going to be made with the house of Judah and with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers. In the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, where am I going? It is the declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, it is a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah within them. I will put my Torah within them. Now, if you say that's Old Testament, that's fine. Let's go to Hebrews. 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 10. How many of you want him to be brewing something in your heart? Hebrews 10. Where's my Hebrews? Oh, way over there. Hebrews 10. All right. Hebrews 10, 16. Weird. This is the covenant that I will cut with them. After those days, says Adonai, I will put my Torah upon their hearts and upon their minds. I will write it. Then he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The new covenant says, I will put my Torah within their heart that they may know what is lawlessness and I will remember their lawlessness no more. He is the Torah. I will put myself in their heart. You want to know who he is? Follow the Torah. That's just one aspect. He writes it in our heart, and yet we haven't been taught what's in our heart. That's why I said I hope that there's, that there's a frequency that begins to vibrate when we start talking about some things. Because you're going to all of a sudden be like, yeah, I know this. He put it in your heart. That's why I've been saying encounter it before I say it. Because it isn't going to be by intellect. It's going to be by spirit. It's going to be, oh, there's so, I know this. Because it's been the Torah, who he is. His word became flesh in you. It was put in your hearts. That's the covenant he made, that he may know your lawlessness no more. So you may have the law. Him, the fulfillment of it, the fullness of it. Amen? Okay, so um, I'm going to. Yes, it's only, that, was, that was only four minutes from the time I said I got some time. Okay. Um, is, will you rewrite this? Okay. Oh, I guess I could have erased the, the back. Okay, so I just want to teach you guys. Uh, I, I've pointed out a ton of scripture. Sorry, my backside is to you. Okay. I want to teach. I'm just going to draw it out, and I'm going to teach it, and then maybe we can study it, but I want to give it to you guys. When he says, I put the Torah in your heart, okay? You, me, Torah. Okay? Ooh, this last one's good. Okay. When Paul says that the Torah is holy, he's talking about Torah. Okay? When he says law, now in your English version, law is everywhere. 
So this is where we're going to have to learn how to dig into the word. Which one's the law and which one's Torah? The best way for me to explain it, if you don't want to trust me, you could study it yourself. If it's for, if, if, if the scripture is for the law, that word is Torah. If it's against it, it's not the word Torah, it's law. Okay, so what Paul was talking about, because you guys have to understand, in that culture, this is what they were raised in. They had the Torah, okay? Then they had the oral Torah, okay? They had the Talmud. The Talmud was basically the written Torah. Okay, let's fast forward. The written word, a little iffy. Does that make sense? So when you take the Torah and then the rabbis wrote it down, there was interpretation things. That's the Talmud. It would be the equivalent, I don't know why I'm saying this, but the equivalent of our Bible. <laughs> I'm not teaching into that. That just kind of came out of my head. Okay. <clears throat> After the Talmud, there was another set of laws, which was called the Mishnah. After the Mishnah, there was another set of rules that was called the Gemara. I could be saying this wrong, Gemara. The last one was another layer of rules, which was the Halakha. What this was, okay? You guys, this is so good. What this is, is legalism. Literally. This was the way to walk out the Torah. It was the rabbis that decided to uh, write down all of what the Torah was, that, right? It was given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. There was, all the, there was all these loving instructions from a father of how to live, began to be uh, dispensed orally. Then the Talmud, it began to be written down. And then through that, there was layer upon layer upon layer. Uh, if you will, it would be, um, I get myself in trouble with what comes to my head, and I don't know why it comes to my head this way. It would be like uh, kingdom, Baptist, Pentecost, Pentecostals. Do you guys get what I'm getting at? It, denominations. It would be, well, here's my interpretation of the oral word, and so this is this doctrine. Now you're not allowed to wear heels. Okay? Seriously. Here's the Torah, here's the rules, and here's my interpretation of that rule, and the way to walk it out means you don't cut your hair. Okay? It would be like, uh, it's not necessarily these, but it would be like the churches that Paul had to cry. Are you nuts? You're telling, the, you're telling them to do that? Question mark? Why would you come up with that rule? There's no question marks in Hebrew. There's also no chapters. So it's really interesting when English says, I'm going to stop the sentence there. And I'm not going to put a question mark. I'm going to call it a statement. So you are going to sit down and be quiet. Not, really? You're going to make them sit down and be quiet? Anyways, it would be like that. That's the best way for me to explain. I'm not saying that that, I'm not talking about what Paul's talking about is this, but that's a, a description of it. So there were rules that they were all living by. Crazy rules. Pharisees. Sadducees. So Jesus, Yeshua shows up on the scene and he's flipping tables. And then we then say, well then, yeah. So now we do away with all of it? That's why he said, I did not come to abolish the Torah. I came to fill it up. 
He did come to abolish all of this and he replaced it with grace. So Paul was saying, you are not under the halakha. The Torah is holy. He is the Torah. But the way that you walk it out has created legalism, which is why he basically disrupted everything because they were living by rabbi rules. But he never did away with this. He said, I'm going to put a new, a, a new covenant. I'm going to put me in you. Does that make sense? So that Paul was accurate. That's why it's one point for the law, one point not. Because he was speaking to these layers that they began to take what was truth, loving instructions from a father, and began to put tradition on it, began to put rules on it, began to put regulations on it, began to put ways to walk it out, basically put legalism on truth. So he came and said, I've had enough. Now I'm here and I am the way, the truth, and the life. And everything that you're doing, I came to demolish that. But I am here to fulfill what the truth is. And now we come out 2,000 years from now and we basically decide to say that because of him, we just all of it. Then we're dismantling who he is. We've missed it. We've been deceived. The Christian church. The Christian church says, come on, get saved. Say a salvation prayer. You, are, you live by grace. He, he, you, do, you are not under the law. Yes, you are under the Torah, who he is, the Messiah, the fulfiller of that. What you are not under is legalism. And isn't it interesting that while you're told that you're not under the law, you would get legalism? I'm sure somebody's going to say, what are you doing? Telling this family that they're going to start to become legalistic? No, you are going to have so much freedom. Under the loving instructions of a father. <laughs> Come on. Sonship, not legalist, not sheep. Not sheep, sons. Not under a rabbi, under Yeshua. Under a new covenant, not an old covenant. Paul was not schizophrenic. He was amazing. English is schizophrenic. English is black and white. English is Greek. Amen? All right. I think that that is all I want to get into, but I do want to get you excited about the feasts, and then we'll end there. <laughs> that doesn't look like that makes any sense. <clears throat> And to us, we wouldn't know this. This was during Paul's time. This is what he was speaking to. This is what Yeshua was speaking to. That's why he was getting rid of legalism. We misinterpret it, especially when we in English say law for everything, and we're not understanding that there's different types of law. There's different layers. And that's why, you guys remember the last drawing, what was right here? Language. It's a big deal. It's a 2,000-year deal. <laughs> All right, so the feasts. I just want to remind you, I want to leave you with this, that Hebrews says that the Torah, 
Yeshua, I know that might sound blasphemous. Yeshua, the word that became flesh, is just a shadow of the things that are coming. In rescue and salvation, Jesus was it. You guys hear what I'm saying when I say that? He is, but that's not the end. But we've acted like it's the end. There's more because the fulfillment of all things have not happened. Therefore, there is something that we are under the shadow of that is is projecting things that are to come. So I want to leave you with uh, Hebrews, and I want you to get excited. So I'm just going to spitball again a couple things. Come on, wake up. I'm going to spitball a couple things. There are seven appointed feasts. You guys remember what I said in the beginning about seven spirits? Okay. The feasts follow Genesis. Meaning the days. Day one. Day two. I wonder if day three is Passover. Day four. Day five. Day six. Day seven. And then in Revelations when it talks about a new day. We should get excited about the feasts. There's some prophetic things going on. There is some prophetic, symbolic things that are happening when you get to operate in a day. The feasts follow the first seven days of Genesis. When he put the lights in the sky. (laughs) This should be exciting. It's going to be exciting. There is so much that comes with that. that It is a prophetic blueprint of what has happened, what is happening right now, and what's to come. These feasts are a prophetic blueprint that we get to follow. What has happened, what's happening now, and what's coming. Amen? The best way to explain it is that it follows the menorah. There is so much symbolism. We're going to begin to learn where we've been taught in the church age that the nighttime is darkness. The nighttime is the mystery time. Hebrews say that night starts the day. Why? Because you engage with the mysteries and then you walk it out. In the church world, we say walk it out and then maybe you can conquer the darkness. Darkness is not your enemy, death is. You're going to begin to learn what nighttime means, what daytime means. You're going to begin to learn why we're saying alul in the seasons, in the nighttime season, and when we get to engage with the mysteries and what happens when we begin to walk it out. You're going to understand that Passover is more of a remembrance of what he's done, but what's coming? Like next week, what's coming? Rosh Hashanah and the tabernacles in the next coming weeks. Tabernacles is a prophetic symbol of him coming and dwelling with us. That is a feast to celebrate, is it not? That we get to honor that he is coming to come and dwell with us? That's what tabernacles is. Those are prophetic feasts that we get to walk in, and it is an honor to honor those. And as a family, we're going to honor those. Amen? I think that that's it. Or does that at least get you excited? Or the feast, or at least leave you with being excited about the feast. I don't know about you guys, but this, there's so much. That's why I said what I said in the beginning to preface the teaching that was coming. Because, and just to, to 
solidify or just add an exclamation mark if that's even possible to what she just said. Um, when we talk about original intent and we talk about the things and the deception, I want you to think about how what Apostle Tanya has dismantled replicates what happened in Genesis 3 when God was giving rules to his first son and daughter. He was, he was giving loving instruction to Adam and Eve and telling them, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except for the tree of good and evil. And basically what Luciferos, the opposer, came in and said is I'm going to he was dismissive of the father's loving instruction. And basically, because he dismissed the loving instruction, they traded into good and evil, which is legalism. You said that happened on day three. Genesis three. Oh. So think about this. Think about the original deception in the created realm. There was a father giving loving instruction to a son and daughter. The enemy came in. He was dismissive of the father's loving instruction, which is exactly what she's talking about from the church age. And what we get in trade for that, in exchange for that, is legalism. Good and evil. Good and evil. Yep. So what she's dismantling and bringing to our attention so that we can build and step into honoring the original intent was honoring the Father's loving instruction instead of trading it for legalism. So that that is how we are colliding with our original intent because he's, he's taking us to a place to where we can operate in direct opposition of what happened in yeah. the garden. Yep. Yep. And this should make you so hungry. <laughs> This should, as when she talked about passion, it should make you so fired up about how much have I been deceived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.